Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. <laughs> sure is good to be back. Um, Shelly and I had a, a great time away to see, got to see Shelly's parents and uh, one of her brothers and his family and had some time with our three crazy kiddos and uh, I think I had some fun meetings with other pastors from around the nation and got to see some of our global partners. They all came in. Um, so it was a great time away, but it is always good to return. We're glad to be back and glad to get back to it. School starts this week. Um, probably one of the highlights. So last summer, I went with the high school seniors to Morocco. And one of the fun things we got to do while we were there is uh, to learn how to surf. That is something I had never done before. Um, two things. It's hard. And it's hard. Like, it looks so much easier than what it really is. It is hard to surf. Anyway, I really don't know how to surf. I mean, I, I can't even claim that. I mean, maybe I stood up on the board one time. I don't know. Um, but you know what? Good discipleship is take what you know and teach it to someone else. So I knew enough how to teach my kids to stand up on the board. So we went to Cocoa Beach in Florida and got, rented a, a surfboard for the day. Hey, a lot of fun to spend 20 bucks and just have a day of teaching your kids how to surf. So that was a lot of fun. So taught the three kids how to surf. They all stood up. They all did better than I did, which I knew they would. Yeah, that's, that's just the way it goes, you know? Anyways, it was awesome. Um, but in the meetings that we had while we were there, uh, just continuing to, you know, had some good times with the Lord and um, no surprise, got to read some books while I was away. And, um, but a couple of things that, that the Lord spoke to my heart that I wanted to share before I jumped into the message today is, uh, you know, Shelly and I have been here in December, it'll be four years. And whenever you're coming into a place, you know, we didn't know anyone. Like, I've got family in Missouri, Shelly's got family in Tennessee and Florida, and we knew nobody. But, you know, the default Christian ethic is you just, you love. So by the nature of we're just going to show up and we just, we loved you no matter what. We didn't know you, but we loved you. And, and four years later, guess what? We still love you. It's, it's kind of like in marriage. You know, you, you kind of date and you kind of know each other. And then, and then you get married and 19 years later, I love Shelly far more today than I did when I barely knew her and dating her. Uh, and I would say the same holds true. I want you guys to know the same holds true for you. It is a joy and a privilege to serve King Jesus as your pastors. Um, we love it. And we love you. We love that our kids have aunts and uncles in this body. You know, we don't have family here. But our kids, our family has family here. Your family. Um, and we've got, our kids have grandparents here. We love that. We love that. That's the body of Christ. It really is. Um, I mean, they, they refer to some of our people here as aunts and uncles. And uh, so we love that. So I share that because as, as we've been moving and God is really doing uh, a wonderful work and we're going to begin to share that over the next couple of months and as we get into the next year and what we see God doing and there's some exciting days ahead. Um, I mean, I, I, it's like I had a great time in Florida, but I told Shelly, I'm like, I can't wait to get back because it's like God is doing something here and about to do something here and we just get the joy of communicating those things. And, and part of that though is as we've been learning, what does it take to help people become everyday disciple makers? And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week. We're going to have a connect group fair and, and be able to point out how we want to see people step into that life that God has for them. But as we begin talking about that, what we also know is the enemy is thrilled if we just go about life doing our own thing 
and, and almost just kind of doing the typical American Christian thing. But I can also tell you the enemy is not happy when you become a disciple maker and start sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and so part of what, as, as we've been prayerfully processing and where we're headed for the next year, is if, at, if you have doubted at all our love for you or this church, don't doubt it. You are loved. And much more than you're loved by us, you are loved by God of all creation. And so don't doubt the love of us or the love of God for this body. A second thing is, we are here for the long haul. We aren't going anywhere. Which maybe is good news for some, maybe it's not good news for all, I don't know. You know, I'll let you work that out. <laughs> but we're here for a long time. One of the things that we got to, to do as we were away is... Uh, uh, the people that we worked with in Jerusalem who started the Jerusalem school, they did a reunion because all of the global partners were coming from around the world. It was like 1,700 people. And so the Jerusalem school has, had been in existence for 30 years. And so uh, the director felt like it would be great to bring all those people together since they were going to be there for that one day of meetings. And it was extraordinary to go around the room to hear the generations of people that have been affected, the spouses that met, the families that are now you know, in existence because of their time of working at Jerusalem School. And that is the fruit of steadfast and long-term ministry. And, and that's what God wants to do here. Um, so two things. You are loved, and we're here for a long time. Um, so as I'll get into next week in particular, as we talk about you know, becoming everyday disciple makers and what, that, what does that look like? You know, maybe, uh, you know, we've been here about four years and, and maybe you've been kind of just watching to see, well, where, where is this going? Uh, my encouragement is by next week, I want to communicate, jump in. Uh, God's doing a wonderful thing. And, you know, the ongoing message last year was you're invited, you're invited, you're invited. And we're still going to tell you, you're invited. I um, was talking with one of our members before coming in here this morning. And she shared, you know, I, I think sometimes we have looked at ourselves almost too, too small, that we don't see ourselves in the bigger picture, and so then we don't enter in. So I want you to know you are a part of the bigger picture of what God is doing, and I want us all to, to just run into that because God's doing some extraordinary things, and uh, so we're excited for the future. We're, we're going there. So I'm going to jump back into Luke. Uh, so much fun to be able to see uh, Pastor Zach Rainey and Pastor Jim continue in Luke on, on being loyal to Jesus and in the first communion. Um, isn't it awesome? Didn't they do a great job continuing our series in Luke? It was awesome just to watch it. So we were part of the online campus. If you're ever not here, I encourage you to do that. It's not the same as being here. I'll tell you that too. So like, don't stay at home and like avoid people. Like the church is the people, by the way. So um, we encourage you to be here. But hey, if you can't be here, online campus is a great way to, to keep up with where things are headed. Um, we love that we had that opportunity too. Uh, but I'm going to continue where, where Pastor Jim left off last week on a message on being different. And so I was thinking about that concept of being different, and somebody came to mind for me, Dennis Rodman. Does anybody remember Dennis Rodman, the basketball player, Chicago Bulls? What do you remember about Dennis Rodman? He is different. That dude was different. He had like green hair. Oh, it was like a different color every week. I don't know. That guy was different. He was a good rebounder too, so maybe you remember him for that, but... Dennis Rodman was different, but you know what was interesting is he was different at a time in our culture where most everybody was kind of the same. And so that's what made him stand out so much. But we're kind of in a different place in our culture today. Diversity is a lot more celebrated than it was, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, but as we talk about being different, especially as we look at, you know, the Luke's gospel, we should be different as followers of Christ. And, and that should be the defining difference, that we're not different for the sake of being different. We're different because we're following the King of Kings. 
And that's what makes us different. And so what I want to do is just continue that series in Luke and take a look at what are those qualities? What is Jesus relaying to the disciples? I mean, he's, he is close to going to the cross now. And what is he sharing with them as it relates to what it looks like for us to live in his kingdom? So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do. I don't think Pastor Zach and Pastor Jim said that. Oh, not that they need to do that. That's, you know, what's, what's the point? Anyways, but I'm glad you have your Bible. Hey, and if you're new to Connection Point and you don't have your Bible, we've got Bibles underneath a chair in front of you. You're welcome to borrow that today. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Uh, we just, uh, we don't take lightly that God gave us His Word. And so we're going to pick up in, in chapter 22, verse 20, let me see, 21. That's it, verse 21 through verse 38. Luke's Gospel. So Luke writes, but behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. So Jesus is sitting at the the first communion table, the last supper, and he's continuing the conversation. For the son of man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. (laughs) Isn't that an interesting transition? wonder which one of us is going to be tram. Hey, by the way, which one of us is the greatest, you know? Anyways, it's just kind of a weird transition to me. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves." You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom. Okay, can I stop there for a minute? Jesus has assigned to you a what? Sit in that for a moment. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. That your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said nothing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we've been in Luke for a little while now, investigating the man who claimed to be God. Luke writes the story of Jesus for a man named Theophilus. So Theophilus has commissioned Luke. He says, Luke, I know you're a good historian. Can you help me better understand or help me be confirmed and firm in my belief in who Jesus is? And so that's what Luke is writing about. And through the writing of Luke, who wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has been leading us on a journey as a church. We really have been on a journey with Jesus. As we've been walking through the scripture, Jesus has been leading us. And now Jesus is about to go to the cross. In the past few weeks, we've seen how we need to get ready for the return of Jesus. I talked about that before we left. Jesus is coming again. And it's important that we're ready for his return. 
We've seen what it looks like to be loyal to Jesus and how to live a life of forgiveness. So how many were here for the message from the BBs? Who's here for that? Is that not an incredible story? I tell you what, their story is something else. If, if you missed it, if I could encourage you, please go back and listen to that message. It's online at connectionpointchurch.org. Forgiveness matters. His opening statement, Daryl's opening statement, he said, God, so, you know, he, they were overseas, but pastoring a church, then God led them to share this story for almost a decade in churches across the U.S. And the reason he was sharing the story, if, if you remember what he said, Jesus put in my heart, he said, my people have been misguided. They think that they can be right with me when they're not right with each other. And that's not right. So that was the message of forgiveness. It is important that we live well with one another. It's important that we live well with others. So I encourage you, please go back and listen to that. And then last week, Pastor Jim talked about the Last Supper or the First Communion. And, and today we're looking through a passage that shows us how followers of Jesus, they handle authority, strength, and rejection differently. Followers of Jesus, they handle authority, they handle rejection, and they handle strength differently than people who are not followers of Jesus. When a person follows Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to change them from the inside out. And that's the difference of the gospel. The world would say that you can read self-help books and be changed from the outside in. Newsflash, that doesn't work. I don't know how many people I've had a counsel that say I've been working on myself. And I always ask them, like, how's that working for you? It's not. Of course it's not. Only the Holy Spirit can do the work that needs to happen in your life from the inside out. That's part of the good news because he wants to do it. So thank you, Jesus. So yes, we know that we need to be changed, but only God can do that change. Disciples of Jesus, they're different. Disciples of Jesus, they do not pursue authority, but instead they seek out opportunities to serve others. So that's different. Disciples of Jesus, they don't pursue authority, but instead they seek out opportunities to serve others. That's different in our world today. You know, while the disciples, they're enjoying the Passover meal, they engage in a discussion about who is the greatest among them. You got to think, man, Jesus was patient. He was grace-filled. Can you imagine the pressure? Like, he's been hanging out with these guys for three years. Every day for three years. He's about to go to the cross. And these guys are sitting around talking about who's the greatest among them. I mean, they just transitioned from, from talking about who's going to betray Jesus, and immediately they begin to discuss who's the greatest. Well, guess what? In this very discussion, they're betraying the kingdom Jesus came to establish. Jesus' kingdom is not who is the greatest. That's not the kingdom of God. Those closest to Jesus, his 12 disciples, within days, almost hours of him going to the cross, they betray his basic kingdom message. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus told the disciples they must become like a child to enter his kingdom. I don't think they were paying attention there. He tells them, the least among you will be the greatest. You know, and, and we might think poorly of Judas. You know, Pastor Zach did a great job of talking about being loyal to Jesus, and he talked about Judas. And we can think poorly of him. Like, we don't name our kids Judas. Zach talked about that. Like, I don't have a friend named Judas, you know? And we can think poorly of him and his decision to walk away from Jesus and betray him. But... Look at this discussion. All of the disciples struggled with worldly mindsets. All of them. Which I would say is a lot like us. It is normal human behavior for us to desire influence and authority, especially in our work environments. That's natural. 
It's supernatural for us to overcome that mindset and to want to simply serve others instead. If you have that desire, that's not from you. God gave that to you. That's a kingdom value. Jesus has been working on mindsets for years with these 12 guys, and his work isn't done yet. And I will say that encourages me because I know God is still working on my mindsets. So may that encourage all of us. Even to the very end, Jesus is continuing to work on the mindsets of the disciples. He works on ours too. I've shared many times the opening message of Jesus. If if you go to look to see the first message that Jesus preached, the opening line is, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And I've talked about New Testament is written in Greek. The Greek word for repent is metanoia. The best translation is actually change your mind. So what Jesus was saying is, change your mind, the kingdom of God is near. And that's his message for us today. We need to change our minds because the kingdom of God is near. That's a very timely message for us today too. God is doing a wonderful work in churches across North America. We're on a conversation monthly with those churches. And we're going to have to change some of our mindsets in order for us to enter into the kingdom today. And what God is doing. Change your minds, he says. Life in God's kingdom, it looks different than the one our culture would encourage us to live. And I also know I get to stand in a church that represents multiple nations. Thanks to Purdue and and other businesses in our local area, God's kingdom looks different than every culture in our world today. There are some cultural values that are kingdom values, but a lot of those are not. So when we look at God's kingdom, we need to understand his values, his culture is different. So what this means is if you're not seeking out, so instead of pursuing power, authority, or influence in God's kingdom, we need to seek out opportunities to serve others. That's what we should be doing. Which also means if you're not seeking out opportunities to serve others, you might need to examine what kingdom you're living in. If that's not your default heart, If that's not your mindset, what kingdom are you living in? So how are you doing serving your neighbors? How are you doing serving your coworkers? What team do you serve on at Connection Point Church? Do you serve with guest services, music or production, or the kids' teams? Man, there are people busy in this building this morning, serving others. Because if you're a disciple of Jesus, you'll not pursue positions of authority, but instead seek out opportunities to serve others. But what else do we see in this passage? Disciples of Jesus, they do not try to manage life in their own strength, but instead remain dependent on Jesus. If you've lived enough years, you've probably figured this principle out. You cannot do life on your own. You cannot do it in your own strength, not effectively anyway. You've got to remain dependent on Jesus. After disciples talk about who among them is the greatest, Jesus tells Simon that Satan has asked to come against him and the rest of the disciples. Jesus says that he's prayed that Peter's faith will not fail. And Peter responds to Jesus, you have to love Peter. No problem, Jesus, I got this. Like Jesus has just said, Satan wants to come against you. Peter's like, no worries, I got it. And Jesus says, you know, Peter, actually, you're going to wind up denying me uh, a few times here in the near future. But here's what's important. Peter does not face this trial alone. At his side, stands Jesus who intercedes for him in his faith I love that it is wonderful 
to have people praying for you. We can attest to that personally. We could not have done what we did overseas in Sudan and, and in Jerusalem had we not had people praying for us. We could not lead this church if we didn't have people praying for us. So it is wonderful. So could I say thank you to those that make it a regular habit to pray for us and to pray for your other church leaders? Thank you. We need your prayers. But you know, some might say, well, I'm not sure that I have anyone praying for me. Well, guess what? You have the absolute best person in the world praying for you. Scripture tells us Jesus is praying for each one of us. Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you right now. That this word impacts your heart. So, no worries. Jesus is praying for you right now. He is your mighty intercessor. It's hard to believe sometimes that Jesus is continually interceding for us. That's what scripture tells us. But just as Jesus prayed for Peter, Jesus is praying for you right now. But I'd also like to point out, that does not mean success in the middle of our test is guaranteed. For Jesus goes on to note that when Peter has turned back, he will be called on to strengthen other people. So this implies there's going to be a temporary failure for Peter. So just because Jesus is praying for us doesn't mean we won't fail. Doesn't mean we won't fall short. But take heart. Restoration is always, and I mean always, available to us. Jesus restores. So even if you feel like you have failed, no worries. Jesus is still praying, and he offers you restoration today. And in that restoration, the ultimate success of Jesus' intercession emerges, showing how even after disappointment, his work can lead to recovery. And it's important for us to realize the only reason anything of value gets accomplished through our lives is because of the intercession of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The only reason Shelly and I get to see any fruit is because God is at work. That's it. We are weak without Jesus. But here's the flip side. We are strong in Jesus. We are weak without Jesus, but we're strong in him. And I don't think we operate in that strength sometimes. Lord, help us. Chris Martin, one of our global partners from Morocco, he shared last month as he was here from Philippians where Paul writes that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then I love how he flipped that around and said, let's read it this way. He says, uh, Christ who can do all things strengthens me. Should that, oh, should that encourage us? Christ who can do all things, he strengthens you. Thank you, Jesus. We're made strong in Jesus. We would do well to remember that. True disciples of Jesus, they understand their limitations. They know well their shortcomings. And so they then remain dependent upon Jesus in life. So don't worry about your shortcomings. We all have them. And the promise of scripture is, is that Jesus is made strong in those. So let's revel in that. So then a question would be, in what ways can we practice dependence on Jesus? Because we, we know we should be dependent upon him. So how can we do that in practical terms? First thing I would say is, pray. A person who prays realizes they can't do life on their own. Are you a person who prays? Prayer acknowledges God's power, promises, and provision in life. When we pray, we show our dependence on God. Which also means, if we're not praying... We seem to think we can do life on our own. But what else? We can read the Bible. Scripture gives us instruction for life. It helps us remain dependent on Jesus. A, a Jesus-dependent person realizes they need to study what God says in order to apply it to their life and to live well. 
Well, what else? Well, we could do the next right thing we know to do. Look, we don't have to have everything figured out to move in the right direction with God. I think that stops us sometimes. We think we got to figure it all out before we can move forward. Well, guess what? It just doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. Don't, don't bother trying to figure it out. Just go. You'll figure it out on the way. Jesus will show you on the way. That's what, I've been, that's what I have learned. Jesus shows you on the way. So just go after it. Perfection is the enemy of progress. There's something you can remember. So don't try to figure it all out. And I came from an OCD home. Like everything's perfect. God bless Shelly. She gives me a lot of grace in my life. I've lost some of those tendencies. Living in Africa will do that. You know, go to a place like Sudan. It just doesn't work out for you. God will break you of those things. We don't have to figure it all out to take the next step forward. Too many people have to try to figure it all out. But guess what? That means you're living a self-dependent life instead of a Jesus-dependent life. Do the next right thing you know to do. And leave the results up to God. How else? We can live sacrificial lives. Paul, a New Testament follower of Jesus, here's what he shares. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. That kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Be different. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So guess what? You can't change the way you think, but God can help you change the way you think. That happens in prayer and as you spend time in his word, because what you think about is what grows. So are you thinking about God's word? Are you meditating upon it? Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So if you're seeking perfection, there you go. That's where you got to go. You won't find it on your own. Disciples of Jesus, they're living sacrifices. They live for Jesus. True disciples stop fighting for their own rights. They give up trusting in their own strength and they depend fully upon Jesus. We live Jesus-dependent lives through prayer, Bible reading, doing the next right thing we know to do and by serving as living sacrifices. I think the last thing I would mention is we need to refuse to worry. God cares for his children says in scripture even more than the flowers in the field whom he clothes beautifully Shelly and I were sitting on our front porch yesterday I got to watch a hummingbird come down and just be with those flowers there it's amazing God cares for the birds and the flowers so how much more does he care for you you who are made in his image we need to stop worrying we all have needs every one of us and God knows what they are Jesus-dependent disciples, they cast their cares upon him, knowing all things, all things are in his hands. To live an anxious life is to doubt God's care. So are you living a Jesus-dependent life? Do you regularly take time to pray and read your Bible? Are you daily doing the next right thing you know to do? Do you live a sacrificial life? Do you refuse to worry? Disciples of Jesus do not try to manage life in their own strength, but instead remain dependent on Jesus. And disciples of Jesus, they do not fear rejection and opposition, but instead they leave results to God. That's different. Disciples of Jesus, they don't fear rejection or opposition. They just leave the results to God. After Jesus gives instructions to Peter, he then tells the disciples to ready themselves for what's to come. Here's what he tells them. When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said nothing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it and likewise a knapsack. 
And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it's enough. Jesus had previously sent out the 12. So if you remember back to to Luke chapter 9, he had sent out the, the 12 in pairs with instructions to take nothing with them. And so he's calling them back to that. So I had sent you out. Did you lack anything? No, Lord, we didn't lack anything. But now he's telling the disciples, get ready. Be prepared for what's to come. It's important the disciples be prepared for what lies ahead and to understand that kingdom work often takes place in the context of opposition. Why? Because the enemy prowls around like a lion. So don't be afraid of opposition, Jesus is saying. And there's something else Jesus is trying to convey that the disciples initially miss. Here's the principle. This is one that's really important to grab onto. Be prepared but leave the results up to God. We too often like to try to grab a hold of the results, like I have to have this result. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 just be prepared and I'll take care of the results. Leave those up to me. And when Jesus tells the disciples to take a money bag, a knapsack and a sword, he's making a rhetorical statement. What's a rhetorical statement? A statement that's intended to persuade or produce a certain kind of effect. When Jesus says, sell your cloak to buy a sword, he's not condoning violence. That's how we know that this is a rhetorical statement because later on in this chapter, this is just a few verses later, when a crowd comes to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples, they use a sword. Here's from Luke chapter 22. We'll get to these verses in just a little bit. He says, and when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But what does Jesus say? No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. So when Jesus says, get a money bag, a knapsack, and a sword, he's not condoning violence because in a couple of verses later, no, no, this is not what I meant, is basically what he's saying. So it's like in this case, the disciples say, hey, they're coming against us. Here's the moment. Draw the swords, gentlemen. We're going to go and fight. But Jesus was not starting a violent revolution. He was on a peacemaking mission to save us from each other and to save us from ourselves. When the disciples tell Jesus they have two swords and Jesus says, it is enough, he's not saying, yeah, two swords would be enough for us to, you know, take over the Roman Empire. That's not what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is, oy vey, these guys still don't get it. But you know what? Conversation's over. We're going to carry on from here. Read the next line. It's like the conversation's done. Like Jesus is like, gah, all right, forget it. We're going. That's, that's what Jesus is saying there. When he says it's enough, it's like, forget it. I'm done. I don't want to have this conversation anymore. So what is Jesus trying to tell the disciples in this discourse? Very simply, he's saying, be prepared, but leave the results up to God. You see, a sword leaves the results up to the disciples. If they can take over through violence, now they're the ones that are taking over. But Jesus says, I don't want you to do it in your own strength. I want you to do it in my strength. Let me show you a better way. Because if they face opposition and pull a sword, it's pretty hard to then preach to those people afterward. But if instead they're on a peacemaking mission, God will go before them and take care of what needs to be done. And the BB story, what a wonderful story. It shows us what God can do to advance his kingdom even in the midst of opposition and violence. Isn't their story true to that? No swords are necessary. God's responsible for the results. 
And this is exactly what we find in the New Testament book of Acts. The disciples, after that moment, the disciples never again draw a sword. It took their experience in the Garden of Gethsemane to see that this was not the Jesus way. Instead, in Acts, what we see is God freeing the disciples from prison by sending an angel to open doors. We see God giving the disciples the words to say as they talk to governing authorities. The disciples were prepared by Jesus to be dependent on him, and they started in Acts to leave the results to him. And the results were far better than the disciples could do on their own. The Jesus way is different. And the discourse that Jesus shares here, he's telling the disciples, they must be tough, steadfast, and focused not looking for accolades or the world's acceptance and care. I want to say that again because this is what Jesus is saying, and this is for all of us. Jesus would tell all of us, we need to be tough, steadfast, and focused, and we should not look for accolades or the world's acceptance and care. But guess what? We should be caring for one another, right? We can encourage one another. The disciples will need to support one another as they remain devoted to the mission of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus, they do not fear rejection or opposition. They expect it, and they remain steadfast in the midst of it, and they leave the results up to God. We're going to get into Acts next year, and you're going to see this lived out. Jesus is teaching the principle here, but it's not till Acts that we see it lived out. And even after they've been put in prison and they're freed from prison, what do they wind up doing? If you're not familiar with Acts, they go and pray, and they don't pray, Oh, Lord, save us from jail. They say, Lord, help us preach with better boldness. That happens because Jesus helped them become dependent on him. They started to live different. So I would say, how are you doing in the face of rejection or opposition in your neighborhood or workplace? How are you doing facing opposition from family or friends who are not followers of Jesus? Jesus would say, be steadfast, be tough, depend on other believers And I would say sometimes the challenge is we just haven't been great about that. But could we do a better job of that? Let's display love for each other and depend on one another and then leave the results to God. What do disciples do? They serve others. They're dependent on Jesus and they leave the results up to God. So are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you in a place of serving others in your neighborhood, workplace, and church body? Are you taking time to pray and read your Bible? Are you living a sacrificial life, one dependent upon Jesus? Are you living life, leaving the results up to God? If not, I'd encourage all of us to begin to do that today. How much less worry could you have in life, talking about living a Jesus-dependent life, how much less worry could you have if you regularly took time to pray and read your Bible and spend time with the Lord? How much difference could you make in the lives of others by making it a priority to serve them? Begin to serve people and see what that does in their hearts. I'd I'd love for us to find out by living as a disciple of Jesus this week. I'd like to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. Maybe you're here today and you realize you've really not been living as a disciple of Jesus. But today you'd say, I'd love to make a commitment to do that. I love to live for Jesus. So if they ever had bowed in this room, if, if today you would say, I've not been living a disciple, but I'd like to become a disciple of Jesus. I want to become a follower of his. I want to devote my life to him and, and live different because I'm in the kingdom. If that's where you find yourself today, I just invite you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you before we leave. Anybody today that would say, that's me. I've not been a disciple of Jesus, but today I want to make a commitment to follow him. 
want to live different because I'm in his kingdom. God, we just thank you that you show us in your word who we are as followers of of you. And, And so God, I just pray that you'd help all of us. Lord, help us be tough. Help us be steadfast. Help us be focused. Help us to have a heart to serve others. Lord, help us to to have the mindset that we can leave the results up to you. Jesus, I just pray that you go before each and every one in this room. I pray, Jesus, as we head into another year at Connection Point Church, I pray, Lord, that you would cause the faith in every person in this room to rise up. Lord, I pray that faith would rise up. Lord, I pray that people would begin to understand who they are in the kingdom of God. They have an important part in your kingdom. And if they're not playing that part, then we miss out. And so God, I just pray that people begin to understand their significance, that we'd step into that, that we would step into the spiritual authority you've given us in the greater Lafayette area to be able to proclaim your good news, to be your good news to our neighbors, to our coworkers, people in the marketplace, Lord. I just pray, Jesus, that we would truly be your ambassadors. And God, I just pray that we would display these qualities that you've laid out for us here as your disciples. Jesus, I pray as we close in song that we would just uh, begin to hear from your spirit, Lord. What would you have us do? Who would you have us share this with? That we would begin to apply God's word to our lives. We wouldn't just hear it, but Lord, we'd do it and be transformed by it. Lord, we just pray these things in Jesus' name.